0: Welcome to The Sending Space. Last night we had a Gospel Community Leaders Meeting, and as you'll hear Ryan explain in a minute, uh, we tried to do a little bit more of a training approach. Um, So sometimes we celebrate and try to just get on the same page. This time we tried to get a little more into a workshop feel. We're actually working on some concepts that are going to be important for our groups. So what I'm going to do is just play the recording here of uh, the meeting from last night. And I'll pop in when it's time for us to do a workshop. So uh, Ryan set it up. We did these things in the room. And um, I think these would be great for you to do if you weren't able to be at the meeting. And so I'll try to just give a few directions to help you kind of see the visual things that you might have missed. And uh, so that you can kind of pause the recording at key times and uh, work through these things on your own. It really is a helpful thing to kind of do some of these exercises um, and just see where your group's at and where the next steps are from there. So here we go. All
1: right. So um, this evening's going to be just a little bit different um, than what we've done in the past. Uh, you know, usually we gather, have, have a meal at our place, which is great. Love doing that. And we'll do that again. We'll do that uh, probably in May to wrap up the gospel community year. We'll have everybody over, celebrate, share stories, that kind of thing. Um but we really wanted to do a little bit of like a midstream um, training and touch uh, and, and touch, uh, point. Um, and so what we're going to do, what we're doing this, this evening is it's a little bit more like training than it is so much like teaching. Like I'm not going to sit up here and tell you all this stuff you don't know. In fact, um, you guys are going to kind of be the experts on your own groups, and then we're going to discuss, and then we're going to share, and then we'll share some things, but... Um, but really, the whole point of this is to give you a space to think about your groups, to think about what God's done, to think about where the groups are currently at, and what is needed um, in, in the future. And, and, um, and so, so you guys are really going to just... We're, I feel like in this sense, we're creating the space for you to do the work that God is like, has before you, but if you're like me... If I don't have a space to stop and do it, I just go on autopilot. It's like, okay, next week, next week, people are showing up at our house. Next week, we're doing this thing. And um, this is just an opportunity to stop and evaluate. So I think that's really important. It's easy to not do those things. And so that's what the goal of tonight is. Um, I'm going to do, kind of run the first section. Mark will run the second section of this. Um, And what I want to do is make sure everybody has um, pens, okay? And you're going to need two colors for what we're doing. You're going to need a sheet of paper, okay? So everybody needs a sheet of paper. And then consider the sheet of paper sort of your like, it's sort of your your rough draft paper. So you're going to, I'm going to give you little exercises to do. You can scribble on that sheet of paper. You can flip it over. You're not turning it in. It doesn't really matter. But then we have these, which is like our big post-it note, okay? And this is going to be like your a little bit more of your final draft that we're going to share with each other. So take whatever scribbles you want, do whatever processing you need to at your tables, and then um, we're going to have you group up in your groups, which may just mean you, if you're the only set of leaders from your group here, um, or you and your spouse or whoever, Or it um, could mean that if there are other leaders with you here from your group, then you guys can partner up. But what this will be is kind of the final draft of your assessment of kind of where your group is on these exercises. So we'll probably put them up on the window or on the wall, and you can go over there and kind of write that. And then we're going to spend some time sort of pairing up and sharing. So that's sort of the process of it all. Um, So I'm going to leave this here, and at some point you'll come up and grab one of those. Let's see... Okay, so here's the first thing that I want to start with. Um, I think what's super important, <clears throat> whether we, like, acknowledge it or not or realize it or not, um, so much of what we do in any group that we're in is driven by, I think, a backstory. Um, and and that's sort of the, that's the context to which our group, like, exists. And you may have noticed, like, If you have a different group, different group makeup, different personalities in a group, a group feels different every time you put different people with different stories in there. So the backstory that we bring to our group really shapes the culture. And that has to do with things we've experienced in the past, things that the group has experienced together. So sometimes you've maybe been in a small group or something where someone goes through something really hard uh, they go, they go, they walk through an illness together, or an addiction together, or something happens, and that group sort of gels around a person, and that becomes part of the group's story. And it, but it also shapes the group, and it shapes how the group functions and how they interact with each other, and what they think depth looks like, and what what you know, all of that is part of it shapes the expectation of what's happening in their in their group. And so your groups, even if they're relatively new, they all have a story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a minute to look at the story of our groups, basically from the start of them to the finish of them. And your group might have four people in it. It might be you and two other people. That's okay, you still have a story. You have a way that you started, you have a reason that you got together, you have sort of points of inflection where things either went good or they didn't go good, Um, and then that set up sort of expectation, you know? If you have a group where people started inviting new people right off the bat and those people connected, um, then probably in your group there's a lot of hope and expectation that new people love to come to this kind of thing. And we're, this is a fun group. If you've invited people and it's been kind of a bummer and everyone comes for one time and then they spin off and your group sort of just feels like it gets, gets smaller, then there's a lot of expectation you have about that group and you're probably not very hopeful that the next person you invite is going to be willing to come. So it's really important to look at the arc of your group and of your story. I mean, we were, we were talking just in terms of uh, women's ministry how many years Katie has started women's ministry, and then you watch it go throughout the year, and you finish up women's ministry, and there's a story created every year in terms of, hey, here was our expectation, and sometimes it's better than you expect. A lot of times it starts off good, and then it gets a little bit worse than you expect, and there's this, this like kind of thing going all throughout, and sometimes it's because of external factors, and other times it's because of things um, that... Um, that maybe we could prevent, you know? Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think, I want you to start with your, um, <clears throat> with your group. We're going to just create a little timeline. And you can scribble this out first um, on your paper. And then you are going to put in the top half of this sheet, you're going to eventually put your finished group timeline together. So here's what you would do. On your your group, I would like you to use two colors for one reason. I would like you to, at first, say when we started the group, we had about this many. It doesn't even have to be a number. You could put a number. We had six families, right, that started the group, or six couples, or six people that started the group. And these were Creeksiders, or they were believers, right? And then I want you to kind of just graph over the last year, over the last six months, over the last three months, however long your group has been, how many believers from Creekside or elsewhere have kind of been a part of your group? And then, uh, then I would like you to take um, you know, another color, and I'd like you to say how many like unbelievers or non, non-church attenders or non-Creeksiders, they didn't hear about it because we were launching it here, they were invited, and they wouldn't have come unless someone else invited um, to come. So maybe we start like here, and we go, well, there was none who attended any of our social spaces. And then, you know, we had one person come, and then nobody for a long time. And then another person came, and nobody. And then, oh, look, now there's all these people. Most people don't have this story in theirs, but. um. But you get the sense. You get the sense of what we're trying to do here. You're trying to kind of create the timeline And there's no, like, set breaks. You're just trying to graph it out. And then I want you to think through, let's just say, like, our group has been around since the beginning of uh, the gospel communities. So that has been about 18 months now. So if I broke it up into, like, you know, this was the first year. This is up to the second year here. Then I want to put some points of inflection. And the points of inflection are just very simply things that either went well or things that didn't go well. Um, or and, and that can be like, hey, we invited someone new. They actually came. We invited somebody. We got turned down. We, we kind of stalled, and like our group didn't meet for a couple of months. Um, when we got together, nobody was really sharing openly until this one person shared something going on in their life, and then all of a sudden it seemed like people started to open up. So it's important to just kind of graph, what are those key things that have changed over time? And they can be... They don't have to be related to this. You could just simply use it as a timeline. You could just go, okay, like when we were about three months in, we had a powwow with our group. And um, at that time, we, you know, we said we needed to split into two sacred spaces. And in one of those sacred spaces, you know, John opened up about something in his life. And I still remember that story, and that was really helpful. And then around here, this was the person that I had been praying for forever to come to gospel community and they just happened to come to one of our dinners. So this is someone that I was praying for, but I remember the feeling of them walking in and feeling that was cool. This was a point when as a leader, someone other than myself invited someone to gospel community and they actually came, because sometimes that's worth celebrating. So this is um, you know, a step of someone in your group that was in, it was encouraging that they took that. So you kind of get the point. There's no right or wrong inflection point. Um, it's just about you sitting and thinking about where have we seen things happen, and then we're going to put some more categories on those in just a second. But first, I want you to take about 10 minutes to do your little timeline, and then if there's anyone else, who, who is here completely solo. It doesn't have like a spouse or another partner from your particular group. Okay. So, you, okay. So you guys can just do yours. And then at a point of discussion, um, we'll probably have you guys just, you find, have, find someone else who doesn't have a partner from their group and you can share what's going on in your own groups. It does. We just want you to have somebody to talk to, um, about it. Um, so does that sound good? Okay. Ready break. You got about 10 minutes.
0: So at this point we we're in the room and we, split off um, individually and did the exercise and then we came together and talked about it within our gospel community leader group. So um, it, it, if you're listening along, um, it'd be great if you actually just paused this and went through the exercise yourself. So do it just the way Ryan described it. Grab a piece of paper, grab you know two or three color pens and um, just draw a timeline. doesn't matter what it looks like, but you're just going to draw one color, um, the number of people in your group over time over like the, the course of how long your group has been together. And um, then grab, an, grab another color and do the same thing with uh, member non-Creekside people that have been part of your group to whatever degree um, over the same time. And then a third color um, where you're just marking sort of inflection points, kind of key events in the life of your group um, that have just had an impact um, on how your group has met and how you came together or what your struggles were or whatever. So, um, take, take a 10 minutes, do it yourself, um, write it out on a piece of paper and go through that mental exercise. And then after you're done with that, then it would be great if you, um, talk to the other leaders in your group, um, whether that's your spouse or co-leaders, whatever, um, uh, just about kind of, you know, just to get on the same page of what did you see here and whatever. And the point of this is, as Ryan was saying, to just get a sense of, what God's been doing on your group, how your group is doing right now, what season you're in now compared to where you've been. Um, And it's just a helpful diagnostic thing. So go ahead and pause this and then um, hit start when you're done with the exercise and we'll pick up where we picked up last night.
1: So what I want us to do for this this bottom part um, is – Okay, so what this is, is it's uh, your reminder of the vision. These are eyes, okay, eyes, vision, versus, and the vehicle, okay? We talked about this a, a, a little while ago um, when we were launching these things, but I want to review this concept because it's going to lead us to the next few questions that we're going to talk through. So the idea is that there is... Um, that every vehicle we use has a purpose. So Katie and I, um, we're gonna go on a road trip with the family in spring. We've been really wanting to do it and someone's letting us use their RV, which is so awesome. And um, we're gonna kind of drive around for a while. And the reason we're driving is because we wanna see the states, right? We could fly to the different places if we had money. We could fly to these different places with all of our family. But part of the experience is to take the road trip In, like, an RV to see the landscape, and every vehicle you choose is you, you choose for a purpose. If we had to go to Utah or go to Montana and we only had a day and a half to do it, we would take a different vehicle. We'd take a plane, right? Because plane's gonna get you there faster. You just won't experience the landscape as you're doing it. Um, and so the idea is that our vision is intended to drive the vehicles that we use. The vehicles should not drive the vision. That's really, really important. If I only thought that I could use my car then I would never, ever be able to get to Hawaii, right? Because if I want to get to Hawaii, I have to be able to imagine either using a boat or a plane. You just will not get to Hawaii in a car. And so if you think about this metaphor, that the ministry or the um, the programs that we have at the church, they're vehicles. So Sunday morning is a vehicle. People can come and experience... um, Community and teaching about Jesus and worship, but it's a vehicle that not everyone you know will come to, right? There are some people who, or maybe they'll only come on Christmas and Easter, or maybe they don't want to step foot inside a church. There are other vehicles, like a small group. Um, Let's just take, like, a traditional Bible study or life group. And that vehicle will appeal to some people. Some people really want to know what the Bible says, Christian or non-Christian. They just want to study it. They want to look at it. They want to know what it says. Um, Other Christians are like, I need to dive deeper into the word. And so I want to be with a group of people who are discussing the word. And that is a vehicle that allows um, discipleship to happen. But it's limited in that it's not always the most conducive to invite Someone that you met at your kid 's school or someone that you that your neighbor may not naturally come to a bible study so it 's limited it does something but it 's limited in some way so every vehicle has its limitations. there are no vehicles that don 't gospel communities have their um, their benefits um, and their their minuses right there 's just things about them that are good and things about them that are hard, and every group is a little bit different it 's why we focus so much on um, on the idea of the different spaces so you have Your social space, your sacred, and then I'm going to add one more up here. I'll call it the story of God. doesn't have to be that, but okay. So those are, each of those things are different vehicles, okay? So for us, it's turned out that our social space, the way that we do it now, it's once a month, at um, different people's house in our gospel community, the whole po- point of it is a party, and we expect you to throw a good party. It's not going to be a lame party. So we want you to put time into thinking about what you're going to eat. When we show up, it's going to be fun. And we're going to think about inviting people. And we're only going to do it once a month because we want it to be something that feels like we're, we have it marked on the calendar. And there's usually, like, some sort of theme to it. Like, if it's fall, we, like, had a big soup night, and we did a sushi-making thi- uh, sushi thing in January, and we did... You know, so there's all different kinds of things, but that social space we have found finally—it took us about a year to figure this out for us—that people will come to that because it's like coming to a party. So if I just say, "Hey, we're having a soup night. We're inviting a bunch of friends over. Would you want to come?" People tend to come to that, and people from our neighborhood, people from our kids' school—if they get an invite and they like you enough, a lot of times they'll just show up. So, um, so we found that that's one vehicle. Now, there's a limitation on that vehicle. You, we engage in good dialogue, but sometimes we're just talking about more shallow things. You know, it just isn't going deep. Sometimes it does, but it's not the same as a sacred space, right? Sacred space for our group, we have, um, at least from the men's side, I do 12 with a bunch of guys from our group. Now, not everyone from our group actually can attend 12. Sometimes it's conflicting with jobs. Um, Other guys, they just can't, don't want to get up that early. (laughs) Um, But, when we're at 12, it's actually really profitable in terms of like discipleship and opening up and sharing what's going on in our lives and praying for one another and talking about things of Jesus. Um, And that's happening every single week. And that's a vehicle that could never provide the need for the social, um, but it does provide the need for the sacred. Um, And then another thing we've realized is that as we've been doing these social things and as we've been meeting people in our community, that we're always wondering, okay, there's this family and... They might come to the social space, but they really would be willing to go through something like the story of God because they want to know more about the Bible or they're at this place where if we just invited them to have a dinner party with us and then like go through this 10-week thing, they'd be willing to do it. And over the summer, we started the story of God with some people that we'd been praying for. Um, and they ended up coming later to the social space. And they've even started coming to church sometimes. Uh, they say they come to church. They've come a couple times. They, they're frustrated they don't come enough. But, um, but the, the, the thing is, that vehicle of the story of God was doing something that sacred space wasn't going to do for them. And social space wasn't going to do. So here's the whole point. You, as the leaders of your groups are really in charge of the vehicles. That's what you're in charge of. You're kind of looking at your group and saying, what does our group need? And um, sometimes in your group, the social spaces are going really well. But there really is not a lot of room for sacred space. And that takes leadership to change that. Otherwise, you will continue to stay on the social space. And if we go on social only too long and we don't have spiritual connection, then it, you know, it's... It it is only, there's no vehicle to invite someone into if they want to go deeper, right? And we always have to have that invite to a vehicle. And what I found is, um, and this is true even before we did gospel communities, that like helping people move from one thing to the next is and can be as simple as an invitation, but the main hurdle is having something to invite them to, right? That is the main hurdle. So if you're like this person really is kind of ripe to have conversations about um, God, but I don't have anything to invite them to that they can do that, then you know that maybe the story of God is a great thing to create space for. Even if it means that you have to back out of sacred space for a few times and let somebody else run that because this couple needs to hear about Jesus and you can create the story of God space by going through that one, or something else. I just always go to Story of God. It's my favorite thing to do for evangelism-type purposes. Um, but, but anyway, so the whole point is the vehicles are so incredibly important. And because really, I've just noticed that there are, you're doing life, you're hanging out with people, and there's this moment when you can invite them to do something. But only certain things feel right for that person at that time. And a good example is when we were doing 12, 12 used to be kind of closed, invite-only sort of thing. Well, there's this couple that showed up to our church, definitely believers, but have been out of church for years um, and kind of in and out of different churches. They show up to our church for the, or our, gospel, our social space for the first time. I meet them, hear a little bit of the story, and I'm like, oh, I should totally invite this guy to 12 because he totally would connect with these, with, with these guys. And so because 12 was now open... Um, I was able to just say, hey, we meet Wednesday mornings. Come, join us. You know, we want you to be there. And sure enough, he came. And now they've been a lot more of a staple in our in our social space. They've like kind of come back because there was a vehicle to invite them to. So that's, that's the key. We're trying to create vehicles that do these important factors. And if any of them are missing, I think, and I would say these are three big ones, like if you guys aren't enjoying each other, if all you're doing is gathering together and studying the Bible, it will. It, a lot of times, these things can go stale. They can feel like not like friends and not fun. And really, even if they are fun when they're sacred spaces and they are, like they are social, a lot of times it's not where an unbeliever is going to come. So you're just not going to get outreach happening. And if you don't have any story of God-like vehicle where you say, "Oh my gosh, there's my neighbor," and we're starting to talk about stuff, but We just kind of have random one-off conversations. How do we talk more intentionally about who Jesus is? How would I ever come to asking them if they want to be baptized? Well, that actually usually comes through like a vehicle, like a saying, hey, there's a group of us doing this thing called story of God. Would you want to do it? And then what's great about doing story of God is as we've gone through, there's a question. Hey, have you ever been baptized? Why would someone get baptized? And they talk about it, and you can dialogue with them about it. And So even just this last, um, as baptism's coming, one of the guys who I went through Story of God with, I just texted him like, "Hey, do you want to get baptized?" He never never a- answered, but he had talked about it in Story of God about maybe wanting to. And I never would have texted him that randomly, but because that dialogue was happening in that vehicle, it was a natural question to invite him to. And I've asked multiple people if they want to be baptized, and they're like, <laughs> and then I had this one guy go, why would you think I wanted to be baptized? I was like, because you seem like, like you know, like you're all of a sudden finding Jesus. He's like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready for that step. But again, I would never ask someone. Apart from having gone through that vehicle, it brings up that conversation, right? And it gives them an opportunity to say yes or no. And I think that's a lot of what Jesus was about, just an opportunity. Follow me or don't, come with me or not, You know, and you just have to decide. You know. So what I want you guys to do is kind of, we're gonna do the same process we just did before. On your own, flip over a piece of paper, um, grab or write somewhere, you just need somewhere to scribble. And I want you to, to look and examine these different vehicles social space, sacred space, and any sort of evangelistic like tool that you would use. And I want you to evaluate how are things going in each of these spaces. So we, in this first thing, we graphed more like, hey, there was 14 people involved, and now there was more, and there was these inflection points in our group's story. Now I want you to say, at this current moment, what is the health of the social space? What functions? Is it is it performing as a vehicle? What's it doing good and what's it doing bad? And then I want you to look at this, the sacred space and say, what is the function of our sacred space? What is it doing good? What is it doing bad? Who's not involved in sacred space um, because of it? And then the last is, now if someone wanted to know about Jesus, what vehicle would be the, most, like, the most, prone, would be most prone to invite them into? And if you wanted to, you could even add, this is a whole nother vehicle that we didn't mention, or I kind of mentioned, but coming to you know, church on Sunday is a vehicle, you know? And I've noticed that a lot of times when people get involved here, it's most natural to invite them to the vehicle of church because they just seem to, like, fit in. Not for everybody, but some of them do. Um, So anyway, so I want you to do some assessment on the vehicles, and then you'll break out. We'll do the same thing and evaluate and put it on the bottom half of our sheet. So you got 10 minutes to think on your own.
0: So at this point, we... Broke off individually first, and then got together uh, just like before. And we evaluated the different vehicles that we use in our groups. So um, your, you know, any sacred space, Bible study type meetings you have, any social gatherings you do, whether that's together as a group or whether you send your individual uh, group members, you know, to do that in their neighborhoods and that kind of thing. So um, just do the exercise yourself. Exactly the same thing. Just when this, you know, recording ends, just finish out by doing this exercise um, where you will uh, just write down the different vehicles that you have, what's going well with those and what's not going well with those. And uh, once, once you've done that, then I would do the exact same thing. Talk to uh, the other group leaders you have and come together and what did you each come up with? And that exercise, even though, you know, it's maybe a little awkward to do it first yourself and then come back and talk to it, it might feel a little formal or rigid or something it's really helpful to just assess the health of what's going on here so i encourage you to go ahead and do that and then as you're talking about what each of you kind of assess then then ask that question together as a discussion of um, how could we make these vehicles healthier what what are some changes we could institute that are just going to get these to a better spot or maybe there's some vehicles that you um, have not utilized yet that you could come up with that would help you get the group to the, the next level. So we did um, this as an individual exercise, and then we kind of shared together with everyone who, who was in the room some different um, challenges that we feel like we're facing right then. And um, and uh, one other thing before we just close this off, so Ryan did mention um, that I was gonna be sharing some stuff later in the night, and just we got so, so much digging into um, these simple exercises that we did that night that we're gonna wait, and I'm, I'm gonna share some other stuff um, at our kind of next training thing whenever we decide to do that. But um, we're just hoping that this sort of exercise workshop approach is helping you guys to just dig in a little more and and refine what needs to be refined and just keep moving forward in our gospel communities. Um, anytime we hit autopilot, um, it's, not, it's not often a good thing. Um, there's always more health to be had and groups are always dynamic and changing. So just encourage you to utilize this time to invest in where your group's at now and where it's headed.